Yeah, I mean, that is unfortunate, I suppose. But never mind. Dad's still not back for cigarettes. We just got to go. Welcome to Game of Notes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello, and welcome to Game of Notes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. And as you might have identified, Dad is still not back with those cigarettes. We're still very upset. We were waiting, waiting, waiting. Where have we been since last week? Sat in these chairs. Clothes haven't changed, maybe. Uh, and yeah, we also have friend of the show, Sporthy, fully doxxed, duly foxed. No, I mean, to be fair, I guess your your handle online is usually Spoo or Spoo Bar, which is at least half of the way there anyway so i think my twitter has my full name uh, my first name i guess you need to put a lot of things together well this is the thing isn't it i guess you just knowing somebody's like everybody knows knows jake from core one right they know his name but it it's it's well actually i guess yeah no you, you it is very very easy if you know somebody's full name and surname that's the key i guess so as long as you keep one of those things i guess yeah in short case in point you're you're like very not anon and yet a man of mystery. Well, here's the funny thing though. I recently had a name change go through, so I'm kind of anonymous again. Wait, wait, wait. So wait, ha, ha, what? You so you've you've changed your name IRL. Yeah, yeah. I got married. We neither of us wanted our last name, so we were like, uh, let's just I go something you, different. Oh my god, dad's back. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the cigarette? I'm back with the cigarettes. <laughs> I am the cigarettes. And gin. I was, I was so surprised. The, I literally knocked my bike stand over. The Leopolds from from Denver, Colorado. I was just about to ask about that. That stuff's really good. Uh, Is it? Noel and I had some, I think, when he was on. No, we had a whiskey then. But we had some when he was over. I opened that. I opened that Laws. Like, we, I forget which one we bought. We bought, like, some. You and I bought the same one, right? Uh, it was I bought some two. reserve. Oh, that's right. You bought, yeah, you bought super fancy. We bought, I bought some reserve one there, and I had a little bit of that. And I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> that thing was, like. Woo, baby. Right. Okay. Eric's back. All right. Happy days. Null has gone walkabout. He's um he's in the area of Australia known as Belonga Null. Um and so he's not joining this week. And I see yeah, I see, yeah. So basically, Spoo, we're not gonna the I've we've already talked we've already talked to you, which is better than we mostly do for like an entire hour. We actually have not only a, uh, a developer, but a fellow validator on the show. So probably somebody who's more more on the pulse of what's actually going on in the cosmos as well than us fucking dipshits. Wait, so, hold on. Uh, Sporthy, you, you run a validator? Which validator do you run? I don't think I realized that. Uh, on Stargaze, I run the Cosmos Ladies. Oh, ah. never mind. I did know that. I did know that. Okay. So... Due to a scheduling cock-up by our Australian contingent, Spoo was going to come on on International Women's Day, I believe, to talk about the Cosmos ladies. And, uh, well, and also, obviously, uh, well, so, I suppose, obviously, maybe not obvious uh, to, to listeners of the show, but Sporty's also worked uh, as a core as a core kind of SDK dev. Um, wait, hang on, am I allowed to talk about this? Is this? Do you have, like, are you... You are allowed to talk about your job, right? Or your old job? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I never, I, I suddenly realized, like, I don't really know if anybody oh. has, like, agreement. But anyway, whatever. So, so you know, work for ICF and stuff like that. So 
also knows knows a lot about the and not just ICF at Tendermint Ignite. Uh, sorry, yeah, Ignite, yeah, and uh, yeah. So really, kind of. So actually, so how how long have you actually been working in Cosmos in total? I mean, I, despite having like known you on and off for various things for quite a while, I've actually never asked that question. I guess in total, two point five years, but. I am counting like parts where I was working on Cosmos, but not as professionally. So professionally, I guess it's two years, but so, so like I'm a, probably one or two and a half. So kind of like an OG or like relatively OG. I mean, I guess how, what was OG? How, how, back, how far back do you have to go to be a re- legit OG? I think there's like, you know, the 2018 batch with Sunny and all at Tendermint, you know. Okay, so like like pre app chain winter OG, post Sunny and Co OG, one of the, just maybe not OG but but a G is that is that allowed? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so and, and what are you what are you mainly working on these days? If you can talk about it, other than the validation stuff, which we'll kind of get onto. So predominantly, I'm working at Phylabs on Archway and adjacent stuff. And also, no, I contribute some stuff to Stargaze as well. Okay, nice. So that usurpers, usurpers like Stargaze. I'm what? I don't know. You always do this, like you always do this, like little involuntary nod when Stargaze makes mention. You're just like, I do like Stargaze. Yeah, yeah. Stargaze. Yes, I also do things with Stargaze. Yes, we do. Yes, Stargaze. Big fan. So, hey, so I totally missed that mint the other week as well. Did you guys all get? Did you guys all get it? Were you? You mean the uh, after, after, the, after filter? the filter? Yeah, yeah. Was it? Was it? Was I got a few. Was it good? It was uh, sold out it immediately. Was, what was it the? Go what fast. Was it? Yeah, it was. It, it was nuts. What was the price on those? I don't remember. That well, they, what they did. That sounds right. Yeah. 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 There was a. Um, they whitelisted what was it? Thirty some it was, odd hundred. It was one per every if you held a bad kid, you you had one whitelisted, right? Um it was one to one, wasn't it? I think it was. I don't think it was. Was it? I thought it was because I think I think there's thirty there was there was three thousand or thirty six hundred bad kids originally, and there's ten thousand of after the filter. And I think everyone who held an original bad kid was could could whitelist was whitelisted one. There were more bad kids than that, weren't there? Ten thousand? No, it's only no, no, that's what I thought too. Because I was like, "How many are left after this?" I can go look real quick. Got it. Um, and then, and then um, there were, uh, yeah, I could take a look. See how many bad kids there are. Oh, you're right. There are ten thousand. What the hell, dude? Yeah, yeah. What are you talking oh, no, about? Then? Wait, no, wait. That's bit kids. I'm looking at the wrong one. My bad. Looking at the wrong no, one. Aren't well, bit kids also one to one with bad kids? Yeah, yeah there are. There's ten thousand there too. So, well, there's nine thousand nine hundred ninety-six because four people burned them. Did we? Oh no, we burned. We burned. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. On the show, didn't yeah. we? You don't burn a bag yet. Yeah. That's a blue chip. You can't. That's a blue you can't chip. just burn that shit. Um, I thought it was one to one. Maybe it wasn't, but anyway, there was a whitelist that was that was for I think a few hours beforehand, and then then it opened up. Um, and I think they had a. Then I think they all went in. I don't remember. I posted some stats on Twitter, but they all went like within 10, 15 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was something like that. So so and, we, and then they opened up. Then they opened up the market. They're gonna. They were thinking it was going to mint for like a, a few days or something like that. They're going to they're going to open the marketplace like a week later. They end up open up the marketplace. I think 
six or seven hours after the mint was done or after the mint started. What did you, I mean, I guess you guys probably took, took the hit on obviously the traffic and stuff for that. What did it look like? Uh, I, I, I'll link a little tweet I had, but it was something along the lines of, um, shoot, I'll find it, but it, it, it was, it was a pretty significant jump real quick. Let me, let me, I'll was it intense, while you, while you it intense degeneracy or was it like mid-level degeneracy or? No, it was pretty intense. It was, it was to the point where I, I like, I was bit like we were prepped on it. Like I knew, I knew, we knew it was coming. And so I was, I was like watching dashboard and see what the hell's going on. And there was a there. And I, during the mint, I had no issues in terms of transaction. I was just minting the ones I was going through. I was just letting it go. I did have one time out and I was like, Oh shit, what the hell is this? Um, but I think at that point, I thought at least what I was pulling, there was something like 20,000 transactions in the mempool mm-hmm. um, or 20 or 30,000. So that's people just hitting it over and over and over. And I, I don't even know what, And I, but the, the maximum per block was only like 20 or 30 a block, I thought, or maybe 30 or 40 a block. We can go back and look and see what the blocks were like. So I assume that's the contract running. And then it was trying to figure out who's first in there and a bunch of other types of shit in there. And a lot of those transactions, I assume, failed because they were already minting on a on a number that was already in process, maybe? Is that how that works? Um, I, d- I, I actually to be fair, don't know how the sequential mint works because you can do it a whole bunch of ways. Like if it's just a pure uh, increment, it's submit. Yeah, no, it submits the mempool and then the one that succeeds gets it and then the others will fail, right? Because it's just an atomic, it's just an atomic right. I don't know if it's, but is it is it figuring out which one is the next one available, and so therefore it's doing a transaction for that number, or it's just say, hey, run the contract, whatever's next, give me the next one. Well, I think it will try and write it, won't it? Um, like the the simplest way it would do it in Cosmosm is you try and write the um, the key to the key value store, but it, mm-hmm. if it already exists, it obviously will just error for for something right. for something like an NFT. <clears throat> so at so and then the request, so there's requests on the. This is so there's a number of requests per second. So we we peaked at around eighteen thousand requests a second. So eighteen thousand requests means people are on the site, they're hitting they're hitting the button, they are, you know, going to the marketplace, whatever that is, it turns into a bunch of requests, right? Because it because the site is actually really well architected and it's cached a lot, but it, but it's still hitting RPC and API a lot for for items. So it hit eighteen thousand requests per second. We haven't had that or it hasn't been that high in a long time. Like that I think that the last I remember maybe bad kids or something before that was maybe twelve or thirteen thousand. Uh, I misspoke. There's three thousand transactions in the mempool that was sustained for like a few minutes. So I don't even know how that works, dude. But th- that's the numbers that I have coming out of the nodes. Um, and that, then on the like plot, bots or something. I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe yeah. That maybe that what it is and it's just fucking dumping transactions in or something. Um, and then on Cloudflare there was fifteen hundred unique visitors a minute. Which is pretty decent, actually. Fifteen hundred. I mean, you gotta figure who's in the mint and everything else like that. Um, and Germany and the U.S. accounted for seventy percent of traffic. There was a ton of German traffic and a ton of U.S. traffic and everything else. And after that, it was like Finland and a couple other ones that were that were much lower down. Actually, you have a graph in this tweet thread as well. So what you're saying um, is Max Juno you know, minted them all, basically. Probably, yeah, right, exactly. Just, yeah. Max Juno you know, was running a bot yeah. in Germany, yeah, and Simon, right? Yeah, yeah, all, yeah exactly. Yeah. Confio, we all know. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I'm pretty sure Simon actually listens to the podcast after. So I know that's the reason I mentioned. So I did not buy any of those NFTs. Uh, (laughs) Hong Kong, Great Britain, Russia, France, Japan, Poland, Austria, Italy, Canada. So like, but it was there was a lot of US centric type of things, right? Um, But yeah, it it was it was humming there for I don't know maybe 
only like 10 minutes or something like that. But by that point, it, it, the mint was gone. It was done. Like uh, So it was, and everything kind of calmed down. Yeah. So um, it was fun. I like, I like, you know, I want obviously Stargaze to be successful. I like when these type of things come up because it's a good chance to like see what is going to fail um, and why. Like, I don't think this was an, I don't think it was necessarily an infrastructure issue with like the number of transactions and like the pauses. I think like, like the nodes just could not get enough. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that kind con- again, I don't know how that contract structure works, but it seems like it just, there's too many requests on that contract for this one specific contract for this set and it couldn't fulfill it for some reason. Well, maybe would it, would it not be gas? That's the limit potentially because if that's not- what I thought too, I thought it'd be gas per block, but I thought that was really high. Wasn't it? I thought that was like, I, I know it's config per chain, but don't know what it's set to on stargaze, but like you do, uh, like you know, the, like the complexity of the transaction has a pretty big impact um, on its ability to fit. In the, you know what? Spoo probably know this better than any of us. Like, right? Do you, do you happen to know anything about the the, the way the Stargaze um, NFT mint contracts work? And I think the code's open source, so I really should just read it and look at it. But um, you know, give some homework. We can do I'm, a code I'm review. Developer, so no idea. We can do a code review on the show, live on the show. Let's try and work <laughs> out. Just how much gas, roughly, it might use, and what the what the bottleneck is here. Um, no, that's that would probably not be um, uh, a, a good use of time. Um, I don't. I, I mean, don't see a mass. I don't see a mass gas gas parameter on Minscan. I was hoping it might be in there. Yeah, so there's definitely oh, a parameter. Ooh, Ping Pub might have it. Oh yeah, 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 they show everything, right? Yeah. Um. So we've we've also we also had a follow up from uh from lot. So you missed out. Usurper, we were trying to work. Was this last week? We were trying to work out what Babylon is. Yeah, we were talking about. I I listened to the show. It was pretty good. Uh, I encourage everybody who's listening now to go back and listen. And, and in real time, we, were, we sort of managed to roughly figure out what what Babylon was doing. We had a viewer follow up question, sort of saying, "Well, hang on a minute. Why not just do Babylon with Cosmos chains?" Was wasn't that me? Was that you? Was that literally you? <laughs> was I was the viewer? Were you were the viewer. Okay, well, so I've obviously, I've obviously massively inflated our viewing figures in my head. But <laughs> can't make me. What the hell? No, well, both so, the viewer so and the and the responder. Of, yeah. So is is proof is is proof of work the thing that is fully required there? Is that what, or is it the inherent or the high value of Bitcoin itself? Like what? Which is the securing? What's the thing that's doing? Because I'm I'm guessing this is all about using the correct word here, kind of exogenously securing outside of, you know, in terms of economic security, obviously the block thing is separate and Rama came on and schooled us all like children on why that he did w- was the case. So while take, while taking care of his own children, yeah. he, he I get the writing part, like you, you need to write it and then that's an external state essentially. But yeah, yeah why, I, why yeah. could that not be a, another cosmos chain? That's a, is it, is it writing to, is it writing to the, is it writing the Bitcoin or is it taking the Bitcoin hash and embedding it into a block? So therefore you, do you, do you get a memo on Bitcoin? I think you do, don't you? I don't know. Oh, it could be that too. Maybe you that's do. It. I think that Bitcoin has a specific parameter that you can add to it. Cause I did some looking into it a bit. Um, and I imagine that's part of the reason why it's necessary and it's not, you know, implemented on Ethereum or something. It has to do with that, uh, that, that field, that specific field that you can use. But it, I don't understand how that works either, but my understanding of what, when you guys talked about it with Rama was that you're basically tying the, you're tying the state of the Bitcoin of Bitcoin into the, the Babylon 
you're, you're basically tying that state into this cosmos chain state, right? So therefore it's extremely difficult or impossible to, to be able to change this chain state uh, because it's tied to a specific hash that's coming from something that's off chain, right? Or it's coming from Bitcoin or something else like that. That's kind of what I understood. Like you're, there's no actual economic, I mean, the economic piece of it is that you can't change that state of both of these chains to try to change the state of a chain that uses Babylon, right? And so, is that right? That, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I heard from it. Yeah. Like, so the, the the economic security, I think, is just knock on in that you assume that the integrity of Bitcoin is correct, solid, which right. is why so you time, couldn't use a second. I assume why you couldn't use a second tier proof of work chain because the the whole point is that it has to be the high value one. But I could be I wrong mean, about that. I still I, say I Monero should be the one. Consensus reason. Because um, Bitcoin, the longer you go, the more final the block is, which is kind of opposite to the way proof of stake, where you get fast finality, but over time you could have long range attacks, but you can't have that in proof of work. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe that's maybe yeah. That's part of it too. Well, because the the longest chain, but 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 the longest chain wins thing, you can subvert that, can't you? So you could have a situation where, based on the number of confirmations, if you Depending on how the Bitcoin, I could be wrong about this, but this is my this is my naive understanding of the Bitcoin mining. Bearing in mind, I haven't run a proof of work miner for over Jesus Christ, maybe over ten years. Anyway, isn't it the case? And I'm directing this mainly at Spoo and Chelsea because you guys definitely know better than me. If you because of the longest chain wins thing, like Spoo just said, the the more confirmations you have of the chain being the longest then the more likely that is to like be correct. But you can do the thing where that there is, oh, I guess, no, actually, no, I'm talking shit because the attack I'm thinking of where you build a chain in private and then you force the new chain to be higher requires voting power, doesn't it? So actually, you that's that's just, that's a 51% attack. And actually you can't, you can assume that what Spoo said is right, which is that beyond the more confirmations you get, the more likely that, like it's very unlikely that state is going to be rewritten, right? But it does make you think if there was a 51% attack on Bitcoin, you could end up, I mean, the attacker would have to move incredibly fast. They'd have to notice that that was the case on Bitcoin and then attack you over here. Right. I mean, if you attack Bitcoin, I don't think you'll care about some Cosmos chain. <laughs> no shit, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, what are you saying, Spoo? What do you say? <laughs> Surely that would be the news. People would be like, 51% attack on Bitcoin. But also, more importantly... Right, we, we want to attack Juno. What okay, are the implications? More importantly, let's go attack, let's go attack Bitcoin run. first. Yeah, let's go attack Bitcoin first. But really, our goal is Juno here. Our really real go goal is a bunch of Cosmos <laughs> coins trading at or around $1. <laughs> to be fair, Stargate uh, is trading after around one dollar. Aye, Did it? It, <laughs> it hit that point, high, really? I, we were we talked about this before. I think somebody it said did. it was eighty-one cents. I think I think Nelson was eighty cents. I always thought it was like forty-six, but I thought yeah, the, like I thought that. the high was like fifty cents max. That's what I thought too. But I, I think I think somebody I think I looked back and Coin, Coin yeah, CoinGecko says eighty-four cents is what it hit. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that, must really? been, that must have been a really short. That must have been a real short spike because I don't really remember. Maybe that was when because the the chain launched. and I think it was listed on CoinGecko before the Osmosis liquidity pool started. So maybe that was when it was trying to converge. You know, the price was trying to the the price. What's it called? I'm tired. Price discovery. Price when price discovery was happening. You know, this, yeah, this is this is price discovery. That's what that means. <clears throat> but the, the waving of the hand. But but the the, I, the idea that. 
uh, I like I understand where Babylon. I understand that need. I it seems to be a, to me a bit overhyped. It doesn't seem to be that large of a concern that it needs all this this hype around it. And also, my my question was, why couldn't you do the same idea with other proof of stake chains within the cosmos? And if you could do it with if you can IBC that structure, whatever whatever transaction that is, why couldn't you do that in a mesh system with every chain in the cosmos that is IBC'd? And so basically you have a shared security structure of having all these different block hashes or whatever the hell they are doing uh, somehow contained in that type of thing. Where does it does it need to be proof of work and does it need to be Bitcoin at 14 minutes a block or could you do it in some other way? And it sounds like a much cheaper way. I mean, it's, that was my question. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we, we can and that's kind of what mesh security is fundamentally right which to that end is it? we should also get uh someone from stride on like riley to explain to us as validators if we are still going to be validators on stride yeah, no in shit, like two right? weeks but that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there i still don't know the answer to that because of ics yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and they're doing um, like governators or, or something like that that's right yeah we're gonna be governators but does that mean we turn off our nodes i i don't know is that is that what it is? Or I'm a I'm a governator, something like that. And, yeah, I don't. And I don't you, want, I don't want to be a governor. <laughs> love governance, right? Um, big big fan of being the governor. I don't want to be a governor. <laughs> I don't want to be a governor. You don't make blocks. You don't make blocks, which sounds um, that sounds a so little what, bit. I am the one who knocks. Actually, more of a <laughs> yeah, more of so, an instruction. You don't make blocks. So I make my blocks. I make stride for doing nothing. Yeah. So, so 15% of strides income is going back to ICS validators. So we're going to make 85% of the inflation or whatever, or of, of income of fees as governators. Does that make sense? But, uh, wait, are we making blocks, but they're receiving the 15% because there's a security piece of it or they're making blocks. They're running it for 15% because why the fuck would they do that? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, this All is right. like the other day. I was reading a, I was reading a paper, and I was, and I was reading it, and going like, I just don't understand how validators make money in this model. It's, it's, this is madness. Like, why would you possibly want to do this? And then I like read onto the next section. It was like, um, because it, it was, it was about um. Uh, essentially stables and it was like oh banks are running it that's why mm. like it's not like degenerates they're like when they say decentralized they mean lots of banks in lots of jurisdictions they mean they don't mean like random degenerates in their basement like us and i was like oh okay the economic incentive is those guys are already banks and they're issuing actual currency um so that's that's why that would work uh, ben says adam vales make the blocks dylan says Stride governors make eighty five percent of the rewards. I don't know. I'm kind of turning my I'm kind of turning the ship around on this ICS thing now. I'm going to message Riley it. right now and see if he wants I'm to join in. If that's the case, Chuck Norris broadcast transactions to the channel with a stare. That's right. Yeah, actually correct. Um, yeah, we should. That's pretty interesting, actually. I don't know, and that's coming pretty soon, right? Isn't it next next few months or something, or sooner? Maybe even sooner than that. Yeah. Um, so. And on, in kind of master and commander um, news or related news, yes. Um, I another paper that I came across but didn't understand because I had too much maths in it, but conceptually was quite fun. Um, was a paper called "Simple Rigs Hold Fast," which was about um, 
uh, object states and and invariants. Um, and it the 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 reason this is funny, right, is because you know when people have to define like a um, an ontology, like to 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 express a new idea, the ontology they used was sailing and rigging for essentially mm-hmm. like um, invariants, I guess, in a kind of low trust system. And um, they <laughs> the best bit is there. So they, they define a rig as a cryptographic data structure that provides integrity at a distance and then blah, 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 blah. blah. And then it get, it says, we define the rig property of holding fast, which is a strong form of causal connection between a blah, 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 blah. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff, which is all rigging metaphors. But uh, as you may recall, holding fast is a prominent feature of the uh, of the crew and master and commander. So I, I chuckle quite a lot. Um, and then I got to the next page and there was a bunch of maths and I was like, well, this is not for the likes of me. I don't understand what the fuck this means, but nice <laughs> nice to see holding fast, getting its due respect in the academic milieu. Um, that was, that so you, was put the, you put the book down, turn on Master Commander. Yeah, I was just like, this, this, this academic this. shit ain't for me. <laughs> Click the TV on. Play. Watch the title <laughs> sequence of Master and Commander. Uh, you know. HMS surprise, yep. whatever it is, twenty-six yep. guns, three hundred souls, South South Atlantic. Her goal: find French <laughs> privateers, take them, burn them. What is it? Um, destroy them, burn them, sink them, burn them, or take them a prize. Um, are, you, are you reading the script from memory? Yeah, that's kind. Of, I think that's the title card, isn't it? Um, uh, from Master. And You're Commander. asking the wrong. And then, people. just as we got past the title card, um, I heard the sound of a baby pooping, and that was the end of my Master and Commander watching experience for the day. Um, so, <clears throat> speaking of other things, drill tweet of the week. Are you ready? Oh, dining. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I could pronounce. Okay, so chef Monsignor. Leaving this this bad spelling. This is I'm trying to I'm trying to phonetically spell the bad spelling. So chef Monsignor leaving the tails on the shrimp is good. It is très bien. Me, I'm going to nuke you with live ammo. I'm the guy from the crow. That's the that's the tweet. That's that's amazing. Magic. It's inspiring. (laughs) I the direction of my life. I feel changed. like that I am going to nuke you with live ammo. I am the guy from the crow. Is something I actually would say in anger. You really should like pre. You got to you got to pre-stage those. Are you just putting a finger in the book and just like reading whatever comes up? Yeah, I mean, really, yeah, I should yeah. actually like get the just. You yeah. Should, but, but then as well, I mean, do you have, if I if I if I how I don't know how I'd find the tweet, the original. I guess I, I could paper. just clip out the book. Yeah, or you can put a piece of paper. You should there. get it from Noise Network. There, oh, that's oh, a really good. Idea. We can make a drill bot, could we? <laughs> we could make a drill bot. Now that would noise. We just need a corpus of drill tweets. The problem is, like Twitter oh. has fucking turned off their API, haven't they? Basically, unless you pay them a shitload of money. So no, there's a website. That's what I use. That's what I use to use my governance votes <laughs> comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on. There's a there's a website you can click that will just randomly give you a drill tweet. Oh, like right. you hit a button so and what it puts saying, it up we there. don't need noise noise network. No, well, I guess so. Yeah. I mean you could randomize a randomizer, but I can't. It drill tweets need to be on chain, dude. Clearly. I mean drill <laughs> that seems tweet. very web three to randomize clearly, the randomizer clearly. just to say you're using web three. Exactly. <laughs> we, we want to use noise because we want to use somehow. Noise. 
But actually, exactly. you could just use math.rand in, in JavaScript F- core. Fuck that. Fuck that. But You could cheat it. You might be you might be purposely picking specific drill tweets over and over to further your agenda. We need real we need true uh, randomness. Well, I mean, as we know, it's not actually possible for me to be random in the way that I'm right. doing it. That's actually That's not, right. not conceptually possible. I will have inherent biases that mean that I'm I'm not actually randomly picking them. So our our entire um our, our methodology is unsound currently. And and I think cryptography is the only thing that will save us. And probably web NFTs and Web three, maybe maybe DeFi as well. Like I, I mean, we <laughs> should throw it in. If there's some there. way we could add DeFi on top of Drill, I think that would probably. <laughs> Ooh, we could mint it. a Drill tweet each week and have just mm-hmm. like one 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 tweet as an NFT each time. So it would be randomized, and we'd only find out what it was when we went to, minted the NFT when we instantiated the contract. That would be cool. And it and would we also could, be fun because it would be copyright infringement, but it would be copyright infringement that something's already public. Right. And like, well, I guess, yeah, you must, mm, I don't, I've never read the Twitter terms of service. I assume that you own the copyright on tweets that you write, but I actually don't know that. I doubt it. I doubt. There's no way they would allow that, right? It's got to be, well, it's got to be public domain. Well, but they yeah. probably wouldn't want to have the rights over it because then they would be accountable for it. So maybe it might be you that owns the tweet. I think you must own the copyright on your tweets because it depends on jurisdiction, right? Because at least here, I'm pretty sure you have to explicitly sign a waiver um, or like a copyright transfer to like remove your moral rights over something you've created. But then maybe you sign that when you sign up to Twitter and you just don't notice. But like it's... You, you know, it's like like I I write so for certain pieces of content, you you have to sign that stuff over, and it is like a you know a form with legal mm-hmm. stuff on it, and you have to like go like for these situations, blah 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 blah. Um, so that makes me think that maybe Twitter doesn't, but hey, if fewer knows, like you know, holler. Um, so in conclusion, we don't really know why not Babylon. With Cosmos chains, we suspect something, something proof of work, right? <laughs> we, yeah, that's because that where we left it last week, right? Hanway proof of work. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, hey, so uh, you, you can probably tell I've been on a bit of a needing to do something pre- productive while while forcibly not being able to sleep for reasons that are obvious. Um, I also read another paper which is quite dated now, um, but it was all about um, Libra. Which um, obviously, uh, you know, DM Libra. Um, Wait, hold the, on. Is the there going to be a white paper portion of this podcast? Because if there is, I'm all about it. Um, yeah. So this was it was not the white paper itself, but this was a an academic um, critique of the motives behind Facebook's original plan to build what is now obviously been open source and has become App Source and Sweet. Hey, and layer zero or zero layer zero. L. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And those guys. Yeah. Um, they were in mainnet first, you know. Yeah. Very oh, yeah? good for them. Um, yeah, we don't validate them, so I don't care. Uh, <laughs> not that's true of every chain, but it is in this case. Um, but essentially, that the it, it, it posited that the entire purpose of um, a proof of stake chain. Uh, was to basically create a massive surveillance apparatus for Facebook, um, which is obviously completely correct. Um, <clears throat> because, like, the, so the essential 
so the thing that's really really interesting, right? Which which obviously makes sense when you think about penumbra is the difference between um, how a lot of proof of stake works, where the way it models counts versus UTXOs in um, proof of work. Um, because one of them's token based. This is a, a subtlety I really really hadn't clicked till I read this critique, right? Which is that UTXOs um, is much easier to build privacy primitives around them. Whereas, what, what is that? UTXO? Um, ooh, what does it stand for? Unspent transaction output? Something like that. I'm getting a nod from the smartest person. So there we go. Uh, for those listening, I mean, I recognize the second half. It is transaction output, but I don't know what the beginning part is. I think it's uns unspent isn't it because you by working out wait this is when i have to do some thinking because i'm not a maths person if yeah yeah if you know the amount that remains unspent after the last set of transactions you implicitly know all account balances don't you but you don't need to know you because you re yeah you replay the state to get to now it's like event sourcing you replay the state to get to now and then you know the state of the world at now, but you don't just like dump the state like a like a cosmos chain or something and just see account um, coins balance. You know, just just as a, as a as a as a mapping, right? It's 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 fundamentally different. But the 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 flip side of that is that obviously because everything is deltas like changes, it means that you can just obfuscate them if you want to. There's a whole all sorts of things you can do very more simple well i mean whatever like it what's anything simple but but the inherent like ability to just reach in dump the state of a thing and just see all the balances is much conceptually easier for a non-utxo blockchain is my understanding and that was the kind of fundamental that was one of the one of the main critiques of the design and also kind of like obviously this is what they're doing how do you think Facebook make the money? They're not making their money because they're going to make loads of money like PayPal. They are trying to basically go, hey, regulators, don't worry. It's going to be all open because it's a blockchain. It's completely transparent. It's open. All our users have to put everything on it openly. Happy days. And then they can be like, yeah, we know exactly how much money you have in your account and we can sell you car insurance or whatever. Um, but obviously then, you know, they did fall afoul of regulation and that whole thing never ended up happening. But um it's a really interesting paper. And uh, if I had my notebook here, I'd tell you what it was. It was something like um, Libra, not about money. Is it about Facebook's Libra? Is it about money? Is it really about money? Something like that. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> recommend that paper. It's quite a good read, despite being about a thing that never came to pass. But it like the no the thing about the knock-on effects of UTXOs versus potentially like proof-of-stake solutions and stuff, I thought was really interesting. Um, I'd be curious how much information you'd be able to pull from, like how much money you just have sitting idle in someone's Libra account, as it were. Like apparently Starbucks has something like, I think the last number I saw was like $6 billion just of people having money in, in their Starbucks accounts so they can buy coffee when they want to walk through, right? So $6 billion. So they're effectively a, a mm -hmm. bank at that point, right? Mm -hmm. How much can, can you, you ask me? There could be a there could be a points run on Starbucks that would destabilize Starbucks. It's not points, but not well. They already have the cash. They would you can't get the cash back. But could there could there be a? I mean, the only thing you'd have would be a coffee run, right? You don't have a you'd have a cost run, but yeah, I suppose that's but, about it, though. But, but you're right. The question is like, what could Facebook learn from you if you have like 
$10 sitting in your account at any given time versus a hundred versus a thousand, right? Like hitting certain benchmarks would mean they can market some seriously different things because keeping a thousand dollars in your Facebook account kind of implies that like a thousand dollars doesn't mean anything to you. So we could really market, you know, cars to them or something. Well, presumably know. also they, and I guess this is the thing where the UTXO thing it doesn't matter so much. And it, it, I memory is in that paper as well, but it's also like, they obviously care a lot about who you're transacting with. Like that's one of the key, <laughs> the other key things they really, really want to know. Um, which is really interesting. Um, so, um, in India, WhatsApp itself has like payment features. So at least for like a billion something people, they already know who's paying whom through what you can just in the chat request for money and it goes directly through the app. Yep. Same with Apple Pay and everything they, else, right? They they're have, all, they're, they're did you know if that feature existed before they bought WhatsApp? No. So they, they so Indian financial system has this API interface called UPI. So any app can implement that and it'll connect to your bank account. So it came out in 2017 or something. I think by then WhatsApp was already bought. That's really, really interesting. So it wasn't even something that they were like, holy shit, this is potentially insanely valuable, like baked into WhatsApp. We we can just reach a billion people with payments. They were like, no, no, we were actually going to implement that much. So is it just that the regulators in India are friendly to that use case? They were able to implement it there where they maybe don't elsewhere or? No, it, it, I think it goes via banks. So uh, you need to like have a partnership with banks to use their version of UPI accounting system. I'm not super sure how it works, but I think WhatsApp did that in India because WeChat already had something like that. And they were like, oh, we could do something similar again, but especially when the APIs are open and anybody can build on it. I mean, that makes sense. WeChat is absolutely, when we're in China, WeChat is just absolutely fucking everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, you're required to install it now, aren't you? Maybe. I My former roommate um, is from China. And I think the last time he went there, he like, they would not let him enter until he installed it on his phone. Wow. Oh, really? I think it's That's WeChat. Is that so customs can reach him? <clears throat> or uh, immigration, maybe? Probably. Yeah. Probably some way of just, yeah. I just remember this. I, I visited in like 2018, I think it was just, it was literally at the, the it was the same week of the People's Congress where uh, Xi Jinping basically went, yeah, I'm essentially going to be here for life, lads. See you later. <laughs> um, and li literally the internet was, everything was locked down. You couldn't like get on anything. Um, and dumbly, I just, I didn't take, well, smartly or dumbly, I didn't take a laptop because I was like, don't, want to take a laptop that seems like a really dumb idea so i didn't have a vpn i just had like my shitty old like back then i didn't really have a smartphone either so it was just like a it was like like the shittest oldest sort of smartphone um in 2018 yeah like i, I just <laughs> i would just like get hand-me-down phones or things i just like i really didn't i wasn't that into it anyway whatever so Right. You're so um, hipster, was, man. I know, right? <laughs> it was fucking impossible to get. I just carried around a chalkboard and abacus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck your fucking phones. 2018. It's not like it was the launch of the iPhone. It was 11 years later. Yeah, hey, well, man. Whatever, man. I got like, my. I wasn't spending big bucks and something. I got my StarTac and shit. I don't need that shit. Whips his key, his uh, typewriter out at a coffee shop. <laughs> Look, you you buy you buy. I bought a fucking actual like expensive smartphone once, right? I got it home, knocked it off the fucking table like two days later, um, and 
fucking smashed on the floor and was fucked and it was like not in it was like just outside of like you can it basically was like you gotta have to pay to repair this and then to pay to repair it was like 200 quid and i was like literally can't afford that so i just have great make those baby cases yeah text people like or whatever man like this is bullshit i like my green bubbles man yeah (laughs) Yeah. there you go ben (laughs) davis in the chat Nokia 3310 does a whole trip to China on one charge. That is the kind of tech we need. <laughs> 3310, 3330, <laughs> the spicy little one. That's right. I mean, uh, you can also beat someone to death with that thing. So I mean, I it's multifaceted. Could. I had the 7110, and that was that was the cool one because then it, that was the one they then used in the Matrix, and you were like, "Shit!" I had that. I had that phone. I had, I imported that phone actually. I used it for like six months or something like that. Such a great phone. And then the, yeah. it had the button and the whole. The whole front side clicked down, and you were like, "Yeah, you're like, I'm a legend speaking." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, I think it was awesome. Ten years old, like Neo. Where I could have yeah. been ten years old, I wouldn't have had a mobile phone. Whatever age I was, you're like, I'm cool, and you're like, literally at that age, the phone is the size of your head. You look like a fucking <laughs> penis. Um. Uh. Anyway, the point was, it was really, really hard. Like, if you need to just like Google something or like look up like something really minor. Or you or find a map. Like you, you don't realize how even a fucking troglodyte like me, you don't realize how like completely dependent you are on that stuff. Well, until it's all completely blocked and you don't have any of it. You're just like, shit, it's a good thing I threw a map in with our guidebook, um, said my partner. <laughs> kind of thing. You're like, Well, let's find out what the fuck we're gonna do. And that's like Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean online maps don't actually work for China, right? My understanding is like if you try and go over there, everything is completely obfuscated. Like if you scroll over to Google Maps and like go to Hong Kong and like follow the Hong Kong Bridge back to China, like roads just start like moving. Yeah, there's loads of stuff that's that's just totally bust. Um, it was like less busted at some point, and it's become more busted over time because of obvious um, reasons. But yeah, it was it was a very strange time. But the the thing that really stuck. So back to the back to the the. the fucking long rambling but to, to arrive <laughs> Wait, at the point yeah. was this was around the time when sort of that whole social um capital social credit whatever it was that I, I can't remember the exact technical name of it um things started happening like really widespread in china which and for shortly after that and it was really weird because you literally like you can be served by somebody and literally as you're talking to them there's like a thing in front of them where you can rate them and it has like an actual impact on not only their work, but also potentially their life outside of work. Um, and people will literally be like at a train station buying tickets and be like unhappy while they're talking to the... It, That's too much pressure for me. So like, I like to rate things and take photos of things on like Google Maps, right? So like for the next people, they'll know if this ramen place sucks or not. Well, even for that, I have a hard time not giving like above like a three, unless it's like really egregious. Like... I'll just like, I'll start at five and like take things away. Starting with like potentially affecting their life. Absolutely not. I don't want any of that pressure. I don't want that responsibility. I'm out. But that's why there's only such a thing as a five-star review or a one-star review, right? Because people are just like inherently bad at actually reviewing things. Like, honestly, nobody, nobody wants to be a dick. And it's like, look, okay, most stuff in life is not very good. Like... <laughs> Like inherently, like inherently, like you can see like the greatest fucking sunset and nine out of 10, right? 
I mean, a nine out of 10 is probably pretty strong. It's probably more like an, for the average person, like the best sunset you ever see in your life, right? You'll probably be like, it will probably be in the grander scheme of things, like a seven out of 10, maybe. But people will be like, that's amazing. And you're like, I mean, it's fine. But it's like, all relative though, right? Like great ramen in Beaverton is not, well, that, hold on. We do have one place called Yuzu that's like, having been to Japan a couple of times, it's still like, it's really good. But it's all relative, right? Like I can give a five-star place to Beaverton and not have the same expectations of a five-star ramen place in Japan. Similarly, for basically all things. Yeah, I mean, okay, fair enough. I, I will. But then everything is relative as a get-out is like, well, yes, everything is relative. Yes. Yeah, I like the idea of everything is, either, everything is either awesome or it sucks. Let's just get down to that. That's it. That's like, that's Cosmos governance. Either it's a yes or no with veto. Get rid of no and get rid of abstain. Either it's amazing or f you, right? No, okay. <laughs> that's that's the jaded world that we live in, right? There's no fucking gray. It's all black or white, and just no, to, right. To, to be fair, right? I now live with a tiny human who also only has yes and no with veto as options. That's and, true. Sure, he does. And life yep. looks simpler to me. I'm I'm like, wait, hang on. I think the fucking tiny human has worked it out quicker than the <laughs> the big human. It's amazing. Like, or it, it should sucks. just be yes or no with Vito. Like I'm imagining I'm that like I've been Jedi fed, I'm happy. No, I'm unhappy. And you're like, okay, this is Does it need to be no. more complicated than that? I I'm imagining that like Jedi meme where it's like the beginning of the bell is like some guy with his head caved in and he's like, There are two options, yes and no. And then the top of the bell, it's like Four options, yes, no, no, with veto, abstain. And then the end of the bell is the Jedi, where it's just yes and no with veto. That's it. That's all you need. Agreed. I, I, I like, like I like that meme described verbally. Um, we might have to make it for the Twitter later. Uh, <laughs> I did for, my best. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I got it. I was with you there the whole way. I was like, that's fucking great. Um, that's that was great. a Black Mirror episode, wasn't it? The yeah, it's birthday was right. The one where like she like you can real time. Yeah, the social people. credit one. Yeah, yeah, the social credit run. Right, like oh, I didn't like that the interaction. You you're like walking around because it was like real time. Right, you could have an interaction with somebody and she turn around and it was instantly like one star. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Like the way she goes mad at the end is is probably yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Anyway, we're just one of those Black Mirror does a thing happens in real life later, like the. That's right. Like the Prime Minister fucking a pig. That's the other one. That's the famous one in the UK anyway. Sunset's going down here. Fucking zero stars. Zero stars. <laughs> it's fucking garbage. Shit. Um, fucking no with veto than the sunset. No with veto the sunset. Exactly. <laughs> I think, you know what, we should, we should just get, we should, I know I know we haven't even fucking got the, the Your Pup Shill Down t-shirt sorted yet, but we should do, a, I mean, I, we have loads great merch ideas we never do, but. We should just get a t-shirt that just says yes on the front and no with veto on the back. <laughs> that'd be fucking great. I would I would 100% wear that to a Cosmos conference. I think that'd be really funny. <laughs> but I'm not I thought about go make that now. Um, I, I, I want a t-shirt that just says no with veto. That's all I want. I don't even want the yes. I just want no with veto on it. And just, just, fuck it, just no with veto and just walk in with it. In a, to be fair, in no a, with veto, the game of nodes font. I would wear that. <laughs> that's it, right? That's Actually, I don't even, yeah, that's, oh, that I like that one. Just no with veto. That's it. Let's do it. Actually, for the Cosmos proposal with for Grace, there was some validator who did a weighted vote between yes and no with veto. I was like, "What? What's your reasoning there? It's halfway split between yes and no with veto." You did a. They did a weighted vote. 
How do you do that? Well to do this, we'll do that nowadays. Really? Yeah. You know, how do you do that? I didn't know you could do that. You know the universe brain meme? It's like, you know, the small where the small brain is like yes, and then the slightly bigger brain is like no. And then the bigger <laughs> brain is like no with veto. And then the galaxy brain, enlightenment brain, is going like half yes, half no with veto. Fucking f- <laughs> that's the meme you just described, Spoon. I think I think possibly they've just ascended and who are we? we we're not equipped to understand their their resonance with the fine fabric of the universe like <laughs> i mean i'll just start doing four-way split between yes no no with video for every proposal from now. everything wait hang on you're right there's another level that you can ascend further just, you can piss everybody off on twitter at the same time that's really what I, that's really what i want in governance is how do i make everyone angry that's actually i that's it, right? Evil you genius, vote all four. Actually, How do you do that? Just vote everything as a as a four ways. I want to know. I want to. Know, you got to show me how to do that. I want to do that. That's that's perfect. Cosmos governance. This is what we can use noise for. We can randomize our four way split. <laughs> oh, so you vote all four, and you let noise pick out the percentages. You noise decide which one. Oh, I actually kind of want to write that smart contract. We're fucking getting somewhere now in this podcast. That sounds this is like now the most interesting idea. Combine with the drill the tweet. On, <laughs> combine, combine with the drill tweet on each one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, what the we, fuck we, is going on? Right, so we need to be able to drill Oracle to get the tweets. <laughs> yeah, drill Oracle to get the tweet. This might be a chain, right? We're, we're kind of approaching. Yeah, chains, we just right? we just launch <clears throat> launch the actual shit chain. Complete piece of shit chain. That uh, all it does is vote all four votes with random drill tweets on random percentages based on noise. And also, you win merch. Hey Ben, I, I absolutely resent that. <laughs> what, what did Ben say? Uh, you guys ship the- merch like Pupmo ships daps. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, Usurper actually got stickers, so that that there is shipping some merch. Just because you true. didn't get it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And I have one That's of those true. stickers. I know they exist. I am. I. It's. Uh, yeah. Ben, email 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 the show. Give us an address. Send some shit. So a weird thing happened, right? Which was that a small child um, saw the shiny sticker on my laptop and noticed that I had some more in my notepad because I just I have like conference stickers and stuff just in my notepad in the back, and they kind of spilled out. I was just like kind of doing my thing, and my yeah. notepad was there, and they were just like, "Do you have more of those stickers?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." And who's what are you talking about? Small child? What was that? It was. What are you talking about? Do you know the 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 shiny "We're going to jail" sticker? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and essentially, yeah, the small child asked me for for one, and I was like, "Here you go." Oh, oh, I got you. Okay, okay. I thought you talking your small child. I was like, no, "What are you no, talking no. about?" <laughs> like, is this kid asking for <laughs> stickers? <laughs> just, just a, How advanced and, is this fucking another, kid? <laughs> another another small human. Okay, all right. We're just like, right. wow, it's a dog. That's really exciting. And I was like, mm-hmm. kind of description is that a small one. child. Yeah, of course yeah, they can have one. Sure, yeah. why not? Knock <laughs> <laughs> yourself out, little buddy. Um, yeah. Did anybody else see the uh, the the Barney? Um, There's a big old Barney in uh, in in the Juno uh, Telegram um, where I, I think Pupmos has got thrown out of Chihuahua, like socials or something like that for 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 what? I don't know. Non delivery of of. I, I don't really know. I, I I don't. I haven't followed this drama. I just I'm all vaguely aware <laughs> that that has happened. And then 
there was just like it all got very knives out like in the channels that they were still in kind of thing and like um rama was going like full australian fighting around the world and it was was pretty much it was you know it it was the equivalent of come over here take your shirt off and let's go fight outside in the dusty street you know it was it was full <laughs> waking fright invitations to, <laughs> i'll to meet you in the churchyard <laughs> parking lot kind of thing <laughs> it was it was it was like it was like a south park level of 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 kind of dumb um but like to be fair it was very funny and rather like <laughs> rather was great but uh yeah that was that that's the only real drama i've seen this week was was pop moss getting called out and not shipping stuff and then getting really pissed off at rama and rama was all like um yeah if you if you if you're gonna bark pup moss make sure you can buy it jeez getting rough in the bear <laughs> i know it was great nerds um, fighting over shit coins it's fucking bad intense, intense fighting it's fucking shit coins. Um, <laughs> yeah oh man so but also you know we we had the we had the that can we just recognize i had the what's it called um fucking cap last week merch got hoodies yeah. this week and the merch like game it. is only accelerating you know so so clearly clearly individual people on this podcast can arrange and sort out merch dad's not wearing his um i didn't wear a hat this week i got so fucking railed last week about wearing a hat all the time <laughs> i was i was you're, say, you're, did, did, were you wearing it literally before the i was i was in the ground i was making shelves for something and i'm out there and like a shirt with my hat on and null's calling me out and i'm like fuck <laughs> this thing on. literally got the house yeah he's in the fucking house wearing a hat yeah i don't I know what you have to wear it outside i was yeah yep. jesus can't hear me defend myself we kicked him off the podcast because of it too. Did America just get nuked? Why would happen? What? Oh, video flash. Both the Americans f- froze. Oh, it could be. I was like, <laughs> was, that, was that the EMP of a? It could be. Yeah, it might be on its way here. I don't know. Well, I guess you'd find out. Well, anyway, whatever. You have an emergency broadcast system. Anyway, so <laughs> we do. Well, hold seconds. on. I have a moment about that. So my wife is from West Mifflin, right? They have reused the their World War II outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. They have reused their World War II like air raid sirens as like a ten o'clock curfew siren. So, are you I, sure it's a cur- a curfew siren? It is a curfew yeah. siren. Yes. It oh, happens at ten o'clock every night. Do you know where your kids are? Yeah, that kind of thing. So yeah. we were they there like have, a year that's, ago. That's a I don't bit know if light. it's like mandated curfew, but regardless, it's an air raid siren. And I went to bed early one time because I was like, I don't know, jet lagged or something like nine. And then I got woken up by an air raid siren thinking like war was happening or something. I didn't realize because it was my first time there. I had about a panic be attack. Pure raging. <laughs> I'll be pure raging. So, so in, sorry. Sorry. I just need to continue the merch shilling. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Right. Part two. Part two. I do like that shirt. The shirt's cool. It's great. Yeah. It's good shit. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the robot from uh, the anime Fooly Cooly, and I mean that in the best way. I'll have to it's dig that up. Yeah, it's I guess I guess there's a lot of different things are going on there, but obviously Kickass Design, it's same design that did the the Howl stuff. Um, so it almost it almost looks like he's holding on to your nipples if you stand up like there. It's just like he's just got he's just he's just yeah he's just holding them up. Well, just, I hadn't noticed that, and now I'm never going. <laughs> now to you'll never unsee it again. Thank you, <laughs> you sir. It's a great T-shirt. Was R.I.P. a great T-shirt? 
Uh, um, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's like the bro. Sorry. Cool. I mean, we're in the merch. <laughs> so, okay, we, we we actually have another viewer question as well, which I want to get onto. But I'm very conscious now that it is 58 minutes in, and we have not asked about um, the Cosmos Ladies, which we obviously should have done on International yes. Women's Day. But we are now here. So we've already like fucking ran around the houses about any number of different things. So Spoo, do you want to tell us a little bit about Cosmos Ladies? Yes, please. You're on mute. Well, the reason I asked not if I could be there on that day was actually just a coincidence because the very next day we were organizing like a Women in Cosmos online streaming event. And we actually had the CMO of Babylon who talked about Babylon for like 30 minutes. So you could go check that out. And um, yeah, so we had a bunch of people, um, all the women in Cosmos developers and founders and NFT artists. We had Kate Stills, who who built the smart contracting platform on Agoric. We also had Dora Palfi, who does like uh, teaching young girls how to program in Python using like really cute programmable accessories for like programmable phone cases and things like that. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I, I, oh, I wanted to come to promote that, but the link is still in the YouTube, so you can go check that out. But overall, uh, I started this thing about one and a half years ago because at Tendermint, I was I was kind of part of the recruitment pipeline, and I had access to like all the employ- all the applications, and I saw like there were no women applying for the engineering roles, and I was like, if nobody's applying, how can they ever get in? So um, we do some like kind of mentorship programs, one on one for like women who want to migrate from web two to web three, or even if they're just like front-end developers, how do you deal with stuff like wallets and um, yeah, stuff like that. And we run the validator because um, all the revenue from the validator goes to, uh, goes back to fund these things. Like uh, we did a giveaway uh, for the, at the event where we gave away three programmable accessories to uh, attendees who had young daughters or nieces. So so yeah, we use it to fund things like that. So I think that's about it. I was not super prepared. So I, I've got a <laughs> I, I've got a follow up question. Um, once upon a time, um, I worked on a team uh, like in a department where it was nearly fifty fifty male female split in engineering, and uh, it required a huge amount of work from a couple of the the people who were kind of leading the department who really really did care about that a lot, and it took so much effort to kind of get to that point um but i'm like i obviously only really kind of know what the recruiting market is was was like in that one particular thing which was like you know developers for a a corporate type situation um but i remember that that pipeline to find there were lots of challenges with with trying to like have a actually sort of evenly balanced um um uh, sort of recruitment pipeline what what do you think are the challenges that 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 are kind of uh, like mainly stopping sort of more diverse people getting into that pipeline, like from from what you've seen, like what what were the things? Because you said it was like you weren't even seeing the applications in the first place. Yeah, so I think specifically when it comes to Web three, a lot of it has to do with historical reasons. Like a lot of people came because of like libertarian values, and those things are usually male community focused stuff. You, you don't see a lot of women in those fields. And also a lot of the time, like the absolute forefront of technology stuff, even in AI, uh, 
it's just I think there's a big lag behind because it's there's a lag behind in like the traditional tech industry as well because it takes a while to learn the basic tech stuff and to move on and you got to do that step by step and yeah I, I don't think there's like an easy answer yet I think it has to kind of start at like a younger age and and I remember like there was a, a panel like this talking about this online and somebody said, uh, oh, it's just because guys are more into computers and stuff. And I, and that never made any sense to me. Like I got into programming because I was a big fan of Hannah Montana and I wanted to make a fan site for her. And that's like one of the girliest ways you can get into programming. And that's how I learned JavaScript and PHP. So I, I think this is just a path which needs to be shown. And that's why I was like a big fan of giving away those kind of programmable accessories because, hey, you want to make something really cute and you want to accessorize yourself. And there's like cool tech stuff you can do with that. You can't do programmable accessories outside of learning programming, right? Yeah, well, no, I, I can I can weigh in on this a little bit. One, it's historically not true that um, it's like males are more interested in it. Um, it used to be that until the 70s that it was largely women that did software, which is really interesting. Um, Have a, you seen the film um, Hidden Figures? Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Where it was basically it was all... transition from people who, who did mathematics, like the computers, and then when they had computers that did software, they were like, ah, well, the the women who do the maths will probably be good at the computers. And so, and then, that, I mean, the the lady, the, the Apollo 11 guidance computer um, runtime yeah, was written Margaret by Margaret Hamilton with like the picture with all these pages of code. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure there was a picture of that somewhere in an office I worked in, and I was just like, "That's a lot of code." <laughs> yeah, I mean, the original software engineer. Well, I, mean, I don't know if really could be called a software engineer. Um, was Ada Lovelace, which is of course was a woman. Um, but no, I used to I used to volunteer um, to teach like third to fifth graders basic software. And almost universally, it was like half boy, half girl, right? So like at a young enough age, there is no distinction. It's like when our culture starts getting involved, that's when the distinction starts to starts to pop up because I guess you as a woman shouldn't be interested in tech kind of thing. And it's just, it's really interesting problem to try and overcome. Yeah, just a personal story here too. Our, our last business um, before this, we were in the mobile space and we had a development center and we had, we had about... Uh, there was probably about 50 developers in that area. It was about 30, 35% women and about 60% men, which was a huge, which is a big percentage actually, I think compared to like others. And um, we, we were just hiring the best people we could. Didn't matter, right? We, we didn't care. We were just trying to hire the best people we would. But one thing that we heard was that like, that that uh, sometimes candidates, female candidates were drawn to us because of the culture of having that balance. And, Sometimes it's difficult for other organizations to grow a, uh, a female component of, of developers because the culture is so fucked <laughs> and nobody wants to work there. And um, and so I think that that also impacts it too because like if sometimes those percentages are too low, it turns into what was that? Was that is it in? Um, there's a good portrayal of that in uh, in the Uber story. Did you guys watch that that Uber movie or whatever the hell it was? There was a really good portrayal of, of women in tech in that in that Uber story too. Um, as well, because the culture was so freaking backwards, and I think that that happens, and that creates that creates basically barriers, right? It's stupid. Yeah, um, yeah. My at least what I saw was that it was very chicken and egg, and you had to kind of have the culture just because 
I guess mainstream tech culture was so off-putting and toxic that yeah. people had to already trust that it would that there would be a place for them to land before they would put in their application was kind of generally what we saw. Right, uh, would be my that was my very high level takeaway. But on the on the whole, I guess like um, yeah, I mean, if I, it, it's it's so difficult how you build that culture. Like that's the thing because my my experience working on a team like that was that generally speaking, I would say the people who identified as female were better programmers. If I had to just like say like pick a random developer um, by gender identity. I would, if I had to assemble a team, I would have always picked the women or the people who identified as female because, yeah, I don't know. Like, but then the thing is, maybe this because it's the the number and the funnel is so much smaller that the people who do get into it are more passionate, are just more on on the whole, they're kind of a, a very selective bunch. Like you know, when you have like entrepreneurs or or immigrants is the other example where you have. Um, you have a higher incidence of entrepreneurs among immigrants on the whole because you already have people who are sort of motivated to you know, up sticks and go somewhere. I th- you know, maybe there's some kind of variation of that where you're like smart women who are prepared to put up with all the shit. They, you've, you've got to, you've got to really like it. You've got to be good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, like, well, I mean, Spoo, what do you think? I don't can't believe I'm just like fucking theorizing you're literally a woman in tech what do you think i'm a fucking idiot i can't believe i just <laughs> I, I, can't believe I just literally mansplained that i'm so sorry i mean it, it's good that you're interested and in, in, you know it's good that everybody needs to have an opinion in this it's not just like one part one sector matters but i mean there is a lot of um discrimination when it comes to hiring as well because um in india this was a thing where uh, if a woman who's like recently married would apply, they would not hire her because she might re- soon go for maternity leave and you don't want to hire an employee who goes away for six months. And uh, yeah, and, and one of the sh- most shocking things that I experienced was in Indian engineering uh, universities, like almost 75% of the students are women. But then when you enter the workforce, the number just goes super down. Like in my class, we had like, in my, in my batch in bachelors, we had about... 70 students out of which like almost 49 were, were, were girls. And then I enter uh, like a company and now it's just like 30 people out of which only two are women. And I yeah. think there is certainly a degree of like, okay, women are caregivers. So once you do have a child, they're more likely to the one, be the one staying back at home. And it, it might be harder to get back into the industry um, as well after that, especially when, you know, their peers have been progressing and have been building up work experience over time as well. So there is some degree of like, you need to be mindful and you might need to like intentionally hire somebody uh, just to get the ball rolling. But but I think we're not really there yet. I think there are enough talented female developers and stuff. So you, it, I, I don't think there's that much need for affirmative action at, at least in like, you know, in West, Western nations at least. That, well, the thing that's really interesting there, like obviously I didn't do engineering uh, formerly at university, but my impression, at least from people that did, was that numbers are much more skewed here than than what you've just described there. So, I mean, I guess I mean, kind of to say something very obvious. I guess it's going to be different in different 
different reasons and different factors in different places right so it sounds like uh, in, at least in in from your experience there like the funnel itself was there's a lot of people at the start who obviously are passionate about the thing enough to do it but it's somehow not translating into the uh in, into people actually you know in um in industry which is which is really that's quite strange yeah so uh, there is still I, I think up until my generation, at least, it was really quite common that women would enter the workforce. And once they have kids, they would just quit their jobs and, and not re-enter the workforce. So there's definitely a degree of if somebody is over 40, then you can't really expect women to be working who are over 40 because in their generation, it just was not a thing. Unless you were like financially struggling, you would probably, it would be considered offensive. Like, oh, does your husband not earn enough that you have to work? Like, yeah. like that was the right. societal attitude. But in modern day uh, as well, like I think there are still some people who kind of just go con- continue on with that. Like one of my best friends in college, she was like, oh, I'm just getting a good degree so I can like meet a you know smart guy here so I can just get married. Like she, she attended engineering just for that reason. But I don't know why I got sidetracked. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so I, I think one of the main reasons we have a lot of women in engineering in India is because engineering is not something you go into with passion it's something you go into because it's a very easy way to get high paying jobs and that doesn't really care about what your childhood or interests were and and because of that uh, once you start making enough amount of money or maybe you're financially stable enough there might not be enough incentive to you know further up in the career field like if i there are these kinds of companies like tcs and infosys and stuff which are like mass recruiters and i think they have better uh, gender employee ratio than than like niche companies. So would you say yep. that um, women in India when they're younger, like in middle school, I guess, they have less interest in computing and then they choose engineering as like the practical option? Is that what you're saying? I think in general, like uh, even when I was in high school, it was really very rare for an Indian family to have a computer at home. Uh so it, again, it does not come about interest because I think even the guys who were in engineering, very few of them were there because of their interests. Even they were there. Like I, I like uh, many of the people who were in my class were there because they couldn't get into med school. They're like that was my priority, but I guess engineering pays well, so I'll come and do this instead. So I think that that's the attitude in like that entire generation. Like, uh, like so many people because of the tech industry boom which happened uh, in India. It was like just do four years of good education, get good grades. You'll, you're kind of set for life. I mean, it sounds like it was a smart choice then, honestly. I guess I get, I don't know what it would be quite, we, you know, we need to, we need to get Simon or somebody on here, like to find out what it's like in Germany. Um, do we know anybody in France? Because the, there's obviously a really different, the, so the, uh, traditionally, at least I don't know what it's like in the US, um, but in the UK, obviously, there's a heavy privilege on um, the humanities over the STEM subjects. And it's as a result of, you guessed it, it's the aristocracy, our friends screwing up everything. You love it. It's um, your favorite thing. Well, it's why they built the polytechnics, wasn't it? Because they were like, we are literally lagging behind in all of the practical um, fields. So we need to literally build a separate class of university that doesn't just go the only important thing in life is the classics um and then after a while you know it just became the case that the polytechnics were looked down upon and then eventually they just got subsumed into the university system because people were like well i don't want to go to a polytechnic 
And it was just like, well, the the purpose of the entire thing has been defeated, but actually the polytechnics were a really good idea. Whereas like in in Germany and other places, you have like a high, you you have like respect for practical applied subjects. And, you know, that that pays dividends, it turns out. So, Well, in Germany, they also have, um, what do they have? They're like apprenticeships, right? In lieu of college, if you want to. Does does the UK have anything like that? Yeah, but it's, there is sort of something like that but it's it for a lot of subjects it's very half-assed you do see it with trades though that is the one place where apprenticeship is kind of alive and well if you get an electrician round who's half decent there'll probably be a spotty 15 year old 16 year old 16 year old mandatory education until 16 yeah so 16 or 17 year old in in baggy electrician's pants handing them their tools so um, but like, but like things like, you know, like engineering, civil engineering, like much less so, which is, you, you know, back in the day, mechanical engineering was, was an applied apprenticeship type. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm looking at the, cl- this is a, I wish we had gone to the subject earlier cause this is like really, really interesting. Um, mm. but I'm also looking at the clock and I'm aware that a rugging has to come at some point. So, um, I, we had a, a, a uh, viewer question from the other week, which which was specifically addressed to to wanting Dad's opinion on this, um, um, but also I think I, I uh, well I could be wrong, but Spoon might have an opinion on this as a developer as well. We're kind of we're very developer heavy this week, which is good because the question was about development, um, which was essentially it were in the context of, of work, but also more specifically development software engineering. Um, should you ever work for free? And I was like, that's kind of a big question. I thought that was uh, it was interesting enough. I think the I think it was basically asked mainly at sort of me and well, it was it was asked to me to ask to you. Um, you said what was the context? Is there a context around a specific like project or timeline or what? Well, was there so anything I expected thought, or just in general? So I thought I think the context that, was from a business perspective, right? Yes, like, I think the context is is like both kind of on an individual level let's say you're you're maybe early on in your career but also you know i think if you're working on your own and you're maybe not if you're not trying to get a job right with a traditional corporate or something like that you are kind of inherently sort of a freelancer or a business there's the roles are muddied right so there's there's a business aspect to your decision making that isn't just about trying to get a job so i think that's the context for like you know, should you should you ever work for free if your client is Microsoft? Obviously, fucking not. I think that's the context. But in if you're essentially a, a freelancer, it, depending on your client or whatever, the context can be more muddy, right? So I think I think that's the the context which which you know Shortsey is getting out there. It's like there's a business component to this as well. Like like should you ever work for free? If so, why? Like. Um, does that change? What are the th- what are the what are the sliders? I don't know. I'm a Cosmos uh, validator, so I don't know if I'm the right person to answer this because we're doing a lot for free right now, <laughs> or maybe for negative. Um, all right, so I'll try to answer it without without context of knowing kind of where this where this comes. Besides that, uh, my 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 dad answer would be that nothing is ever for free, um, and your time is actually worth something. Your time when you're young is worth almost nothing. And as you get older, each hour that you spend is worth more. Um, 
And so as you get into your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, that time becomes much and much and much more valuable. It's not linear. It's exponential. Um, so your time at 10 years old, like kids can blow time at doing anything. But at 40, that those hours are worth something. And so I wouldn't think of it as working for free. I would think of it as if you give yourself an hourly rate, which sounds weird to say, but you, you kind of have an hourly rate um, and your hourly rate in your head um, might it will change over the course of your timeline, like I just said. And that hourly rate, you're you're even though you're not billing it, you're investing it. So if you're if the question is, should I do work for free? The answer to that should be that you should figure out what that time is worth and say, instead of saying, should I do work for free? Should I invoke 10 hours at $120 an hour? Should I invoke $1,200 of my money towards this thing? And will this repay me later at either $1,200 or more? And if the answer is yes, then yeah, you can work for free. If the answer is no, then you should think about where you're spending your time and, and how you're doing that. So like I said, early on, your time might be worth nothing, which means if you're working for free, I'm investing 10 bucks for 10 hours. Who gives a shit? Um, if you're later, if you have kids at home or if you have a wife um, or if you have a relationship, that time instantly goes up because if you're not, if you're spending it doing something else, you're not spending it with a loved one, that might not seem like a lot, but you are, you are taking hours away from someone else who wants to spend time with you. Right. Um, and so that has a cost to it, even though you don't want to think of it that way. It's weird to think about, but you kind of get, get a little bit in your mind. And so as you get older um, and as you're spending time on one thing to not work on something else, I think the idea is that should I, instead of saying, should I work for free, should I invest in this thing? And how much am I willing to invest? That's a good way of thinking about it. Um, and sometimes some, and, and also not everything has the same amount of risk reward. Some things you might say, I'm going to invest a little bit because there's something coming down the road. Like I might go work for a startup that has a lower salary that I want. So I'm not working for free, but I'm working for less. So I know I think I'm leaving 10, I know I'm leaving $20,000 a year on the table, but I think that over the course of three years, it's going to have a much greater return. So therefore I'm going to put this 20 grand on the side because I think it's going to be worth half a million dollars when this company sells. That's a decision. Like you can make that decision and at people at different points in their life, instead of 20 grand, it might be 200 grand or $2 million. And I want to think, am I, am I putting this on the side to go do something else that's going to have a hard, higher return? So I think you have to, that's my dad answer to this, but I think you have to kind of rethink that question and put it in context of where you want to spend time and and what's important to you at what different points in your life. And it's a bet. Like if you're putting time towards something that might not return something, I think you really have to rethink to say, is this worth my freaking time? Um, and so, can I make money off? So that, so yeah, that risk element is, is the interesting one. So do you think there's also something like, let, let's say you're towards the start of your career, mm -hmm. which is a very common time when people sort of, you know, work for exposure sure. or Fuck whatever. Yeah. Like right. I, I built a lot of websites for people for free when I was first starting out. <laughs> yeah. um, Spoo did free work for Hannah Montana, which presumably Hannah Montana never even knew about. Um, but, you, but you know, so, uh, you know, I guess it's a little bit different when you, if you're 16 and you're knocking out a website and you're free time, right. fine. Exactly. But if yeah. you're like, so let's say you're like, I don't know, 22, you've got bills to pay and now you're, you're making the, the risk reward of should I work for free? Again, you're, you're at the beginning of a new career. Maybe you've changed careers, something like that. Mm -hmm. you're you're shouldering a lot more risk aren't you because you've got bills to pay 
but you're potentially working for free. Well, I don't know if you're shouldering more risk. Your bills go up as you get older. So it depends on like your burn. What I always say, your burn rate goes way up, right? Like your burn rate at at my age at 22, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Like, it's a weird number because like you have kids and you have, there's things that come up, right? You have responsibilities. And so that burn goes up. And so the late, that's usually why people, I mean, it's why you risk at the young age is because when you get older, that honestly, that risk tolerance goes way down, way, 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 way down at young. You can make fucking mistakes. Who gives a shit? Like we, same thing. Like we did the same thing. So it doesn't matter. You've, you've, yeah, you don't have much money, but again, you could survive a much less and your, your tolerance for risk goes way up. When you get older, that, that risk tolerance goes way down, which is why you don't, you don't see, you don't see a tremendous number of startups like 50 or 60 year olds. Like that doesn't necessarily happen. It's a lot of work and you don't, you don't see it a ton, right? It's much more with, 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 as you're younger and you have energy so for it. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that the the average age of, or like the median age of a of successful exit startup founder was something like, like not not super old, but not super young either. It was like 30, early 30, 30s. 40. Yeah, that sounds right. But that's still like, well, I guess it's still, yeah, you always said. No, you have, you have enough cash to get it going. 50, you have enough yeah. experience to start something, right? You have all these things are right. Right. And then you want to get out of it at in, like, if you can get out of it, if you can get out of a business in your early thirties or something like that and have an exit, that would be, that's, that's good stuff, man. That's amazing. So I think they were at 38 or whatever when they founded. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so I mean, it, it's still, that, that's, I mean, it's the other thing is like, you have, you have individuals who have worked in a career for so long that they understand the business well enough and they say, this is stupid. We should be doing this on our own. Right. And so like that, that also makes sense too, where you, you were like, I understand, I see the market, I see a fit. I know how to run this better, right? You have that experience to be able to do it. That might that might be more traditional where in web three, I think, I don't know if this, is this right? I don't know if it's the first time I had this thought, but I, I would think the barriers to start something are lower here, but I could be wrong about that. I don't know if that's a red, I don't know if that's a good statement. It seems like the barriers are lower. Like you have a lot more infrastructure and it's very much more focused and you have a lot more, maybe I don't know if that's right or you not. Can, I you can definitely put out more. something that's a lot less finished, like an MVP. Because yeah, the, maybe the expectations are lower. Yeah, I don't I th- know if that's right at all. I think the space is so new, the expectations are low. Like the fact that you can develop something on your own and just knock yeah. it out in Web three. That's like we'll be going back fifteen years, maybe in in Web two, to get to the point where yeah. you could prototype an idea on your own and yeah, and, and viably get something out the door. Yeah, yeah. Thing like in traditional, like you, your faces on the website, you have you have a a, a set of uh, you know you have references, you have partnerships you've had you have these other types of things web three you're you know fucking you're a ai generated rhino on a twitter website right like 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 there's that an anonymity piece comes forward where we don't have it here but but that 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 anonymity piece and like nobody knows nobody knows who you are your age or anything else it kind of takes all that bullshit out of it right so i think that lowers the barriers as well where if you're if you're trying to start like i don't know i'm trying to start up whatever i'm trying to start something that's hand to hand where i'm going out and if you're young, I think you get judged as young. Web three, I think a little bit, you get a little bit, and even web two to a point, you get a little bit of a reprieve on that where it doesn't matter, right? Like you, you're, it's just more about the skill set, which is nice. I don't know if that's true or not. I got to think about that a little bit more, but maybe, maybe it's, maybe that's a little bit the case. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that would be my answer for work. I, I, I think that I, I have no, I think in everybody's, in everybody's career, you make decisions on where you're going to invest on risks, right? Like you guys, this is a podcast of entrepreneurs, right? We have this, we have this podcast tagged asked around, like, how do you tag this? And I, I put entrepreneurship 
um, was the main tag. I don't know if you ever said this, but this is this is a, it comes up with entrepreneurship because this is an entrepreneur type of thing, and you have to have the right kind of group around that. And and early on, even now, we're all investing. I think today, like as Stargaze validators, we're investing. There's no doubt about that, right, Sparthy? So. And, and like even on other chains in the cosmos and those types of things, you're investing, right? And so whether that's in dollars and infrastructure or that's in your time, because I spent a, a shitload of time, um, again, I'm not in here because I want to lose money because I have a, a we have a viewpoint that's very long-term and we think that's going to pay off. That's it, right? I, I want to add one thing here. That risk equation changes a little bit when you're currently working. So in software, it's very common to be asked during an interview to do like a 20 hour project while you're currently working full time. Sure. Um, the risk equation of burning out when you're doing those every week, going from working 40 hours to now 60 hours, because now I'm working on one of these projects for an interview, that's that's way riskier. And that's to be weighed completely differently when you're talking about free work, because most of those projects are free work. Um so fun fact about one of those, I once did one and I was obviously doing it around my day job and it was, I was very, very tired. It was about two in the morning and I realized like the, the solution, the most elegant solution was a painter's fill and I couldn't be bothered to code that algorithm. And they'd said, you've got five hours to do it, Like you should do this in five hours. And I was like, I got to four hours and I was like, well, I'm not going to have time in the time available. I can't even type that fast to, to code the full painter's fill so i'm just going to do the slightly less efficient one but i i can know i can get it done in the time and i left the code comment to this effect and then this essentially a multi-method entry point for how the the code was going to work and above it i left a comment saying here be dragons this is where, mm-hmm. this is where the magic happens here be dragons and uh they were like fair enough we read the code comment saying you didn't have time to do painter's fill that would have been the correct solution you probably should have spent more time on it to do to code that up. And I was like, well, I mean, I followed the instructions. And then they were like, but we're not going to take you forward because of your in, in unprofessional code comments. And I was just like, well, it sounds like I don't want to fucking work here anyway, man. <laughs> exactly. This, 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 interview is, this interview is both ways, people. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's something I was going to throw out there was that for me, it's kind of a litmus test where if a company asks you to put down, you know, 16 hours or whatever for a project that yeah. for free, that means it's a company I outright do not want to work for. You know, there we did. We used to do this too. We used to do technical. We used to do. I forget. What we used to call it like a tech up or something like that. But we used to do the same thing. We wouldn't do sixteen hours, but we would put people through a pace of four to six. And honestly, the reason we did that, Chelsea, was because there were so many applicants that, and we 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 recruited really hard. If people would spend the time, we knew they were serious. 